Hello everyone and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Bot Talk. I know it's been a while but we've gone ahead and brought you guys a pretty interesting episode of a figure in the community that I've been friends with for a while. He's always really interested in me. He's got a lot of attention of a lot of people in the community. So I thought I'd bring him on to the Bot Talk. It is Neddy. We're going to jump into a few questions here, dive into his background, go through a bunch of stuff and talk about his future in the community as well. So let's go ahead and begin with the first question I'd like to ask a lot of the guests on the show. How did you get into reselling and botting? Um, basically at the beginning, I used to live in Kansas and I wanted to get into reselling back when like the first Yeezys were releasing, but considering how expensive they were at the time, I, my family did not have that much money at all. Right. Cause we have a family of seven, so it's real expensive. Mm-hmm. And my dad had just changed jobs at the time. So that idea kind of like quickly faded cause spending $200 on a pair of shoes was like absurd to me at the time. I thought that was something that like you needed to be rich to start doing it. So I completely forgot about it. And I started trading CSGO skins. I did that for a few years. And then eventually Valve added the seven day trade hold. So that kind of ruined it for me because I couldn't really efficiently make profit because it yeah. basically made it so much slower. The process was like destroyed for me because I couldn't do it on a big enough scale for it to be worth my time. Mm-hmm. So. I tried to figure out something else and I like explored different things online and reselling seemed to be like the best option available. So that's how I first got into it. Yes, yeah, so that's pretty interesting. So it seems that you've always had the mindset of wanting to create an extra source of income. You said that your family doesn't come from a lot of money with a large family. Obviously, there's more costs associated with more people being in the family, obviously. So you've always had that mindset of wanting to create money. So I'm assuming that from you flipping skins on CSGO and that band coming in, you made enough money to actually invest into reselling or how did that transition go about? Uh, Yeah, like I said, for, it was probably like about a year that I really didn't do anything at all. I was just kind of like, you know, did nothing like regular kids do. And so eventually whenever I started getting learning more about reselling again, since it was something I had already explored and looked into in the past, now I actually had enough money to start doing it. But also at the time, like I said, I'd given a lot of the money that I made, which it wasn't much at all, but I gave most of it back to my mom. Cause at the time my dad was living in a different state. Cause he had to, cause like I said, he changed jobs. So he had to go train for two years. And then, so during that time, it wasn't like the best for us, but then I remember the first release that I went for was the fall winter 18 box. Logo. That was like my first time ever trying for any kind of release. I had, had no idea what bots were at the time though so it was manual i didn't get anything and then my mom didn't get anything but then later i was going to a basketball tournament and she had texted me that she got one and she had gotten a box logo manually off a restock which i didn't know at the time but that was like insane yeah so that was my first thing my first time ever going for anything and i actually got something which is pretty nice made it seem a lot easier than it actually is though yeah definitely i think when it comes to that it's obviously your perception how much digging you do into reselling because obviously you have the surface of reselling when it comes to just literally going to the store buying the items and flipping them but you also have to break into the buying industry as well which is kind of below the regular reseller you have to go into certain areas certain discord groups to even find out about it you could even do reselling for a long amount of time without even knowing about buying like you did i wonder if it's that hard to come across buying now because it's so dominant compared to 2018 
but it's definitely interesting to see how long people go without botting and eventually switch into it but you did mention that obviously reselling flipping csgo skins was obviously a source of income but with anything as a kid you, you try things you go into it you come out of it what actually made you want to continue reselling versus going off and doing something else um well since the first thing i got it was i remember i sold it for i want to say 810 exactly i don't remember payout was a little over 700 which the retail price was i want to say like 168 or something i don't remember how much it was but making that much money off one thing which i mean that was the most expensive piece of clothing i had ever bought by far at that time and my mom was like hesitant to let me do it but whenever we did do it and we got it sold that was the most money I'd ever made in such a short period of time. I knew it was something that I wanted to take seriously so that I could hopefully do this instead of having to go work at a different job. Okay. So you always had the idea of wanting to be like a entrepreneur or essentially like someone that doesn't have a job and you just want to create money through doing something that interests you. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, that's definitely a goal that a lot of people have, but also I didn't necessarily mean to make it a full time thing, but if it could be like, supplement a different job's income then i figured it'd be pretty good yeah definitely i think a lot of people do have that mindset a lot of people do reselling and have jobs there's nothing wrong with it i think it just depends on how much time people invest into each thing you know some people have like sports some people have other commitments so when it comes to being a entrepreneur if you can make as much money as you can flipping shoes and you would have at a regular job that most people do then obviously it makes sense but one thing i did actually want to tap into that kind of interests me about some of your responses with your mum being so involved with purchasing these items and creating profits how involved is she with the whole scene now has she kind of tapped out of it or she, does she still help you with releases um my mom actually has ran my bots for me a couple of times her both her and my dad they're all real familiar with all the releases they don't really know like all the terminology like proxies i don't really understand all that but they're familiar with like the bot names how to run them so they definitely come in handy because like they enter every sneakers drop for me it it's just great that's really interesting i don't know many people that do that maybe it's a huge thing that i'm just not aware of but that's really interesting that your parents are like really fluent with bots and again we see it all the time there's people in this community that in their 30s and 40s and we did see an influx of older people as well as younger people enter the community when covid hit because a lot of um uh unemployment took place and obviously people came into the niche to make money so it's really interesting to see that your parents are actually heavily into it as well because obviously a lot of money can be made so that does actually become pretty useful yeah definitely even if like because it's the small drops add up over time like my dad's been really lucky on the sneakers app like uh the best thing i think he's got recently was uh he got the mochas in a good size. I think they're selling for 500 But then he got the Off-White 4s. He got the Travis Scott Lowe's, the LA to Chicago's. Um, I remember he got, he's gotten declined a few times. Like on the Off-White 5s, he got card declined. That was terrible. Yeah, when it comes to obviously going through these releases, it is a bit of an up and down experience. But it's a lot better if there's multiple people going for it. Obviously with sneakers, the more entries, the higher the likelihood you're going to get hit. So if your parents are entering it, and yourself is entering it's probably better to obviously try to go ahead and secure this release but one thing i did actually want to tap into we spoke about reselling obviously your parents getting into it which is great and boring but arguably 
you're very well known in the community for bot flipping and making money on the bot market. That's how I recognize you in the community as well. So that is one thing I didn't want to tap into. How did you discover the bot flipping market after entering the voting scene? Well, before, whenever I first started, like I said, I have much money starting out. But like I said, I really wanted to invest in it and learn how to do it. So I was watching lots and lots of YouTube. So I was watching like Butter Boy Nova way back when his channel was like real small. I started watching his first videos that he'd ever uploaded. And that's how I like initially got introduced to everything. And then once I had saved up, I got my computer. I got my very first bot and I got my very first cook group, which I'm still friends with a lot of those guys today. And one of the guys uh, is actually pretty big in the community. So I was lucky to have uh, Krev. He's a monitor developer. I was lucky enough to have someone experience and that wasn't going to screw me over, actually help me learn how to do everything and show me the ropes for everything. And my first time ever running a bot, I remember they had helped me set up quite a bit and I got four pairs of easy clays. After that, I had started learning the different kinds of bots. But obviously, I I wasn't aware of like the resale values of bots. So I once I learned about that, I wanted to try the new ones. So I'd buy them as cheap as I could and then use them for a few drops and I'd sell them and I started making profit off of it. So it was just really good to me at the time because it helped me uh, get better and better with my setup. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a very interesting concept when it comes to holding bots. I mean, when I first started, within the first week, I was doing bot flipping. And I didn't really realize it, but that was kind of the main thing. I got a few copies of Adept, flipped those for quite a bit back when it first released. But yeah, the concept of buying bots, using it for a few releases, hopefully that the resale price uh, stays afloat. Even if it doesn't, it dips a little. The profit from the items you get can supplement that decrease. And obviously selling the, uh, the bot after a few drops is interesting because when you're buying a bot, you're essentially investing in an asset for your business. It's like buying machinery for something like a manufacturing business. You buy the machine, it does its purpose. Maybe it loses 10, 20% when you're using it, but the money you make from it will go ahead and make up for that gap. So you said that you went ahead and flipped these bots after using them. When did you discover that there was a lot of money in this market and arguably it's more worth it to invest time in the bot flipping market compared to reselling sneakers so let's see i don't know if it was last year in january or i don't say it was last january um that's when i really started to become aware of how much money there were you were able to make off this kind of thing and because i was i got by that point i had had a good amount of money saved up i was buying and selling higher tier bots and making like 10 to 20 percent uh extra back so like spend five thousand get like five hundred dollars back that was like insane to me so then in january of last year i decided that i'd take a break from the actual botting and fully focus on trying to become a middleman which at the time was that title market and i did that and bought flipping and i made that my primary focus and i wanted to see how well it would go yeah, definitely. I mean, when it comes to marketplaces, middlemans are very popular. Obviously, you need that when it comes to tickets within marketplaces. And I think even being a middleman, you do get an insight in towards like demand and how many people are selling certain bots. So that's obviously interesting as well. But yeah, uh, backing up my previous statement, I definitely think that investing more time into the bot flipping market, maybe not at the moment, but there have been times where it's literally way more profitable 
to ignore the drops that the bot supports and actually just flip the bots after certain drops made it successful. But what's kind of your opinion on the whole ignoring the bot inside and just focusing on flipping these bots? Uh, my perspective on it has changed, honestly, a lot over time. Like I said, it was my primary focus for a long time. But just recently, well, in part, it's because I got uh, new cards that make it botting a lot easier for me. But I think if you can manage to do both, that's how you can get the best of everything. Because then you're able to go for all the releases, but then still make money using bots that you're invested in, but not necessarily using. And if you can find a way to be able to do both of those and you know make the best of both instead of just focusing on one then you don't miss out on any opportunities i feel like you're maximizing uh the opportunities that are presented to you like go for every drop but then also be active in the marketplaces buying and selling if you combine it it'll be amazing depending on how much time you put into it yeah definitely i do agree that if you can balance the best of both worlds then obviously it makes sense if you want to only focus on reselling sneakers then fair enough. I know a lot of people that are bot flippers in the community that don't even go for drops. So it's interesting to see people's opinions on it and like which pe which side people favor. But obviously when it comes to flipping bots, there's a lot of elements that go into it. Some say connections, some say information about what's to come with a bot. So you buy it early and you flip it and so on. But as a popular bot flipper in the community yourself, what do you think some key elements it takes to actually be successful when it comes to uh, bot flipping? Uh, it's definitely changed a lot over time, but as of right now, it's definitely to be a good thing to be connected so that you're fully aware of everything. But then also, like, for dealing with individual people, I think it's best to just always be kind. You never know where someone's from or what their situation is. So obviously, there's going to be some language barriers because you'll be dealing with people from anywhere in the world. It's not just... You're dealing with people in your own country. It's all across the world. The best thing, though, is to get a currency or some kind of payment app that you can be use worldwide to deal with anyone regardless of where they are. So like cryptocurrencies. I personally really like TransferWise because of how easy it is to use. That way I can deal with people both in the U.S. sending bank transfers. But in Europe, bank transfers are so easy. They come in in like a matter of like seconds usually. It's just really good for dealing with people. And then you can get good deals from both people in the US and then good deals from people in like Europe or wherever they are. I use TransferWise for a lot of my transactions and it's flawless. Like obviously with PayPal, there's issues that kind of occur with TransferWise. It happens instantly. I get paid by quite a few people through TransferWise. I issue uh, and I also pay people through there. I think it's one of the best uh, methods to use, obviously, if it's available to you and with all the bots I've bought, I tend to use that because it's the easiest. But I was also going to ask, when it comes to bot flipping, obviously knowing about a certain update that's coming out, knowing about a certain site that's going to be released is pretty useful when it comes to buying bots because you can buy it early before a lot of people know and then obviously sell it at a higher price. But in your opinion, how fundamental is it to have connections and early information when it comes to bot flipping? Um, it's definitely benefit you. But I feel like if you don't know about it, you're the only thing that you're gonna miss out is potential profit. You necessarily you won't necessarily be harmed unless it's something like weird where like the bots changing let's say something like changing their payment structure. Say a bot going from a six month renewal to a monthly renewal. A lot of people aren't gonna like that, so the price might go down to reflect that. But like like you said, having good connections can 
be extremely beneficial. Like if a bot's going to add a feature that nobody knows about and then they surprise drop it, the people that invested earlier and make a boatload of money because they knew about it before everybody else and then they bought before the, the demand had increased. But yeah, definitely if you have connections like that, it'll make you a lot of money. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, um, not everyone in the community when it comes about flipping has information. So obviously there is a bit of a barrier there, but then we've seen lots of bot flipping groups come out and obviously enter the community. And there seems to be a divide in the opinions on it. I personally don't mind it, but uh, I was going to ask, in terms of your opinion about flipping groups, do you find them annoying when it comes to the market? Because it does kind of flood the market at times. Or do you think they're beneficial for the members inside? Um, initially it was kind of weird. There'd always been bot flipping mods, like in Signal FNF and all that. There'd always been bot flipping mods helping people. But now that it's becoming more popular, there's a lot more people getting into it. And I thought it was kind of weird at first because it made things harder a little bit. But I don't mind it. I There's definitely a lot of opportunities for people to make money. I know a lot of people are against it because they feel like it makes it like super expensive and people complain about it being manipulated and whatever. Just do your own research, I think, and then you won't be affected by anything. But a lot of people, I feel like they just complain because of how high some prices are. I don't know if it's jealousy or what the issue is, but I see nothing wrong with it. Just people taking advantage of another opportunity that's being presented to them, which it's a good thing. Yeah, I think the only issue is that when uh, bot owners complain about their resale price, and obviously because they don't control their own resale price, it dictates, like even if they don't release a lot of bot copies, the general opinion of the bot does uh, come into play, obviously it's success, stuff like that, and obviously the way people go ahead and price the bot in the marketplace. I think when it comes to bot owners wanting to backdoor and their, their bot drops like $500, obviously that affects their income and that's where the distaste comes from. That's my assumption anyway. I don't know if it's something else, but it's, a def it's definitely an interesting topic because everyone has like a diverse opinion on it. And it's definitely something to look at because you can't really regulate it either. I spoke about this earlier in a different episode as well, but it's not a market that can be really regulated easily. Yeah, it's definitely difficult to market. And to go off of what you were saying about that, I don't understand why. Uh, I can understand why bot owners will be frustrated when their resale value isn't as high. But honestly, as a bot owner, what do you think your primary focus would be? It'd be like your bot's performance, right? So naturally, if you just focus on your bot's performance, then the price should go up because it's doing good. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's just kind of a weird situation where they tweet about their prices or just talk about it in general. If they're like unhappy with the price, mm -hmm. I feel like it's weird because you should be unhappy about the performance on like actual botting aspect instead of the price on a marketplace. Yeah, it is interesting because, you know, I don't think there's many cases where a bot cooks and it has a bad resale price. Unless they've sold like a shit ton of copies. But then again, like they can't really complain because they got the money from selling the copies. So it, there is always like many arguments to every single person's point when it comes to bot flipping in general. But I think it's definitely interesting because, you know, in the community, there is a lot of, uh, what, what, what should I use here? I don't want to use simps, but like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like people yeah. that support blindly I'd, I'd say that so obviously when you know insert developer bot name here has like 
15k followers on Twitter and he tweets out saying X bot flipping group is bad they you know their calls are bad their information's bad you know there's a lot of sheep that are just gonna pile into that and that might come from the group simply uh, giving out information that was leaked or giving out information that's accurate but obviously leads the bot price to go down and I feel like you know there's no really silver lining there you know it's it's mixed in with a lot of um, personal interest or keeping the bot resale price up but also uh, manipulate the prices to some degree it's a very like weird conversation to have because there's so many elements at play you've got uh, manipulation in some cases obviously and not not all the time like you mentioned before then you've got mm. the bot owner's interest then you've also got the nature of the bot as well it's a very interesting market in my opinion yeah there's definitely a lot of factors that contribute to like the price changes so that's why i personally uh, I trade the safest way that I know how to, and it, it does me well. I make a fair amount of money from it. I also miss out on a lot of profits, though, because I'm not as risky with my investments. I just, you know, do what's best for me in my situation, and I don't want to be in a position where I'll lose a lot of money. So I'm just real safe about it and careful. Yeah, definitely. There is a bunch of ways to go buy. You know, you could buy 10 bots. You could essentially rent them out for X amount of time each and then flip them afterwards. There's a bunch of ways where... In the bot flipping market, you make a ton of money. You can buy into a bot early if you believe in it, etc. But you know, however people go out and navigate the bot flipping market, it's always interesting to see how it's developed. But one thing I do want to tap into, and I get your opinion on actually, we've seen the bot flipping market change quite a bit. What do you expect the bot flipping market to evolve into in the future? Do you see any dramatic changes taking place, or do you see it being relatively the same? Um, as of, if things are the way they're going right now. The community is going to keep growing people are going to keep joining so i think naturally that will cause prices to increase as long as the bots aren't fully in stock uh i think that bots like uh rush will soon be gr and nike shoe bot is also available to anybody i think that they're also going to get more uh customers because a lot more people are entering the scene and they may not be able to afford bots like such as like cyber or wrath that are more expensive but there's also good alternatives that are also always in stock so i think It'll be interesting since there's a lot more people, but like as long as no sites make like some major changes that make it impossible to bot, which I don't think that'll happen, I think that prices will keep increasing as there's more demand for them. Yeah, definitely. The niche is going to continue increasing. You've got the stimulus checks coming in. You've got uh, new people not really knowing the bot price market and willing to pay a lot of money for these bots. As long as it keeps growing, I definitely see the price going up. The GR and bot uh, conversation is also very interesting as well. Uh, you know, you've got NSB that's been in the scene for years. They made a ton of money. They invested in advertising. Same thing with BNB and AMB as well. They follow the same kind of structure. So I do see a lot of bots going towards that. And, you know, it opens up this conversation about how, how our site's going to be able to... Um, maintain maintains not the right word but like stay up or be stable during releases if there's more people getting their hands on bots uh that are gr because obviously if, they, if it's in stock people are going to buy it if it's pretty good so i feel like that's also going to come into play as well with more bots becoming gr so we don't really know what the future holds it's going to be interesting to see yeah i wanted to go ahead and revisit a conversation we had earlier uh a few months ago actually in private and this was when I think you left the marketplace and you were actually venturing into making your own group. 
I remember you tweeted out the graphic for it. It was like nearly flips, but then you then you decided to not do the group and then started working for companies like Hidden, Layout when it was uh, when it was around AYCD stuff like that. So I wanted to ask, what made you side against not making your own group? Because in my opinion, I feel like you could. You have the reputation to do it, and then go work for these companies. Uh, well, first off, thank you for having confidence in my abilities. But no uh, if I were to make a group, I'd want to invest so much time into it and make it the best that I think that I could make it. But with school and everything else that I had to balance out, I just didn't think I'd be able to make something that I'd be happy with releasing. Because I know that people would pay for it because people pay for like anything. It's kind of weird. But I just want to feel good about releasing something that would be not the what i think would be my best work you know so i feel like the next best alternative to that was to work start working for other groups which it's definitely been a rewarding process because i don't make as much money as i would if i were to own my own group but i've made so many new friends through work and it just helps a lot of people like i have a lot of people tell me like they're so happy with what i do it's just a real good uh situation to be in so i'm happy with where i'm at right now for sure, yeah. I mean, you know, there is less risk associated with just working for groups. You know, you invoice them at the end of the month, you get your money, you network. Obviously, you have a wider reach. For example, if you want to, if you were to make a bot flipping group, let's assume that you cap it at like 115 members. There's like 115 people that you've got a good connection with. But if you're working for Hidden, AYCD, all these groups, you know, you're talking about thousands of people that have access to your information. So it's definitely a good way to market yourself as well. And uh, like you said, make friends and there's a lot of benefits with just working for a few groups. Yeah, because like I can't even name everybody, but like anybody that even helps me out a little bit, I remember it. And I'm just like real thankful for a lot of the help that I've received from so many different friends. I can't even like I said, I can't even name everybody. But without working for other groups, I feel like I wouldn't have met all the people that I've met. So in a way, I feel like it worked out for the best that I didn't continue worth with my own group because the help that I've received is more valuable than the money I would earn, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. I agree there. That one personal idea I had when I saw you start working for all these groups is that obviously you're developing your name and you're developing your reputation and you're being known for something. For example, you know, you have a bunch of people in the similar scenario to you where they're bot flippers they work for loads of groups and they go make their own group we see it happen all the time obviously with time constraints you've been pretty transparent to myself other people as well as on the episode today that just because of your time constraints and you're not wanting to take on the idea of making your own group however do you see yourself creating a group down the line when you've got more free time or do you think the road of just working for groups is the one you're going to stick to I think it depends on what comes up as I go down, like as I continue working, like if I take on more positions at other things that might limit my time, I won't make a group. But if I have the free time and I think that it, I have a good opportunity to make a group, then I'd, I guess I'd go ahead and make one. But as of right now, I don't really see it happening. I'd rather just keep working for other people and, you know, making more friends because, I mean, it's really fun. I really don't even feel like I'm working. Yeah, definitely. It does seem like it's worked out for the best. Obviously, there is stress when it comes to running a business. You know, you've got to take on a lot of risk. There is just a ton of things to operate when you're running your own business. So I'm happy that you're operating where you are right now for all these businesses and it's going well. But speaking about the future, 
I know you've mentioned this quite a bit on your Twitter in terms of what your future plans are and I'm very interested to go ahead and dive into it and also share it with people on the podcast today. So, what are your plans in the future? Um, in the immediate future, like I said, I've been recently getting back into bonding and I'm trying to go for like as many drops as I can so that I can relearn everything that I missed out on whenever I took that break and focus on only like flipping bots. I'm hoping once I get like okay at it, I think I'd have a lot of fun making YouTube videos. So I'm hoping to make some YouTube videos here within like the next few months. Once I get fully comfortable with my setup and everything, I feel like it'd be really fun and, uh, you know, help other people maybe. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the reasons why when you do start YouTube, you'll be successful is because of the fact that you've got a personality. And I said this to Syed in a previous episode. If you literally go back to the previous episode, I told him that he'll do well because of the fact that he has his personality and he has a certain way of making content. If you look at his content now, he's doing great. He's making subs and he's got views there. But uh, like I said to him, I said the exact same thing I said to him to you. This community loves content for some reason, but the content people like to consume isn't overly interesting. Like I could upload like a live cop with the baby in the background, right? Like music. <laughs> and it'd get like 1K views and I'll have like 20 subs. That never happens in any other type of niche. It's because of the fact that it's search engine based content. No one's really searching out for your personality, but because you have a personality on Twitter, if you combine that into your videos and you like ship a Neddy YouTube package every week at like Thursday, let's say Thursday 9 p.m. you treat it like a TV show. You ship this one video of your weekly highlights and you implement your personality into it, you'll do really well because like on Twitter, I know you're well aware of this, a lot of people like you on Twitter. If you convert that <laughs> over to your YouTube videos and you leverage sponsorships, brands, and growing your image, you'll do extremely well. And obviously, I wouldn't say this to anyone. The reason why I say, say it to Syed because I definitely saw potential there and it worked. And I'm saying the exact same thing to you because you actually have a personality versus some random guy on Discord that has a made up username that doesn't tweet much. You know what I'm saying? It's all about your personality. Yeah. And I think if you do decide to jump into it, you'll do well. Well, I certainly hope so. Just the, my main concern right now is learning how to edit videos because I want it to make, I want it to look nice. I don't want to like make it look like just, exactly how it would look right now like if i were to up make a video right now i think it would look awful i want to learn how to edit it make it look nice and presentable so that the people watching aren't like man this is kind of like i don't want the quality to be bad basically is what i'm trying to say yeah honestly i know i did mention before that you know the community eats up really basic content i'd say yeah from obviously i've done youtube for like seven years that isn't meant to be a flex that's literally all i've done for the past seven years through a variety of different channels uh when it comes to editing don't stress too much obviously evolve with it you look at someone like bot by nova if you look at his old content and you look at his current content the editing's different the editing style is different i'd say get a motion intro done i could refer you to someone that could get that done for you get some like video graphics done i'll also send you some links to uh, some other stuff that you should em implement into your videos and honestly after that just learn as you go the best thing to do is not to stress too much on the editing and just get content out there get people's suggestions and as long as the meat of the content which is the live cops and your personality is there then to be honest i feel like people will just enjoy it anyway and 
you know, the overcomplicated edits become later. Like for example, the bot talk, for example, this initial episode, the only editing that goes into it is blurs at the beginning of an episode. If I'm doing an ad read, cuts, and me just dragging videos onto it. It's a very, very simple, basic video edit, but people enjoy it because of the content and the context within it. So that's that, that'd be my advice if you're looking into editing. Okay, that definitely makes me feel a lot better. Also, because like, I also need to like finish up school because I miss so many drops because of school. Once school is over, or like once the summer hits, I I plan on making videos before I get out of school. But like, I feel like at the once I get out of school, I'll be able to put so much time into it. Like even though I'll be working doing other stuff, I feel like I'll have so much more time, and it'll be so much like easier to get content. And I'll be able to go for every single drop. I won't miss a single one. I think it'll be great. Yeah, definitely. I mean, YouTube does take a lot of uh, commitment and it takes consistency. The main way to grow is through being consistent. That's with anything, going to the gym, getting better or something. But uh, there's definitely a gap in the YouTube community when it comes to, bottom YouTube community that is, when it comes to personalities. And you could fit in there very well. So I'd say best thing to do just put time aside like like you said when you guys finish summer i know you guys in the u.s finish summer stupidly early compared to us guys so you definitely have some time there to um obviously just get just get used to it build a following um i've seen that on you on twitter you've been teasing that you come to youtube quite a bit continue doing that because obviously the eyes will be on you and people will be excited for it and just hit the ground running with it just like if you know that for example uh, we're getting into this quite a bit but I'd rather just give you that advice now um, if you know that you only have time to one, make one video a week set the time and day and make sure your audience knows that even put it in your YouTube bio, uh, Twitter bio sorry and literally just compact everything into that one video and deliver that package and people will be fine with that I'd say quality over quantity uh, definitely when it comes to YouTube growth as well I, yeah that's what I was thinking and then I also need to get better about my setup because, like I said, I've missed out on a whole lot whenever I took that long break. So much has changed with the different websites. But I'm happy that I'm relearning everything. And I have friends helping me relearn how to buy all the websites. So I'm feeling pretty confident going into it. I won't be, like, cooking insane, but I'll be cooking just enough. I think it'll be good. Yeah, I mean, Syed uploaded a video last week where he didn't even hit anything. So Yeah, on Supreme, right? Yeah, he yeah. literally didn't hit a single thing and he made a video. <laughs> Shout out to Syed. But yeah, that's just proof that, you know, it all comes down to personality as well. But guys, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up today's episode. So to go ahead and finish up today's episode, guys, I want you guys to go ahead and check out Neddy's Twitter down below. I want you guys to turn on post notifications for his Twitter. Make sure you're ready for his YouTube drop. It's coming relatively soon according to what he says trust me guys it'll be worth the wait if you guys enjoyed today's episode please drop a like subscribe if you guys are new i'm going to catch you guys next time peace out